Mom's art too. <laughs> Miss Anna Stern. Uh, welcome to Mom's Art 2. We're very excited to have you on because you are coming from a place of not in the industry, which is very exciting because you're definitely more relatable to the masses because not only are you a college educated woman, you have a family, you uh, have an incredible job, and then you also have decided that you're going to kick ass outside of this beautiful life that you've already created. There was something that was sparked in you that makes you want to step out and do even more. And that's super inspiring. So we will get to all of the new things that you're doing, but I want to start with Brooke doesn't know. And our listeners obviously won't know is how you grew up. Um, you're full tie. I'm actually half Thai, half Chinese, but you know, what's really oh. funny growing up. I know, right? Like growing up, I actually denied it. I, it always was a piss me off that people just always assumed I was Chinese because every, like every Asian person, you're Chinese. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm not, <laughs> you know? So I, I actually never owned that part of, of my ethnicity. Cause one, I was just stupid. I didn't know any better. Yeah. But in fact, so my parents are both born in Thailand. Which is okay. why I was always like, I'm full Thai. I, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a Thai person. And, um, well, not that I'm not a person, but um, <laughs> my grandparents on my mom's side were both born in mainland China. So my mom's actually Chinese, but Thai born. Like, so oh, okay. It makes her full Chinese. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That means I'm technically half Thai, half Chinese. And again, it didn't even like click. Because growing up, it was always this huge like stigma of like, again, people, you know, I think it was just people being racist, right? And yeah. I felt like them just assuming I was Chinese. I always like, no, I'm not Chinese. I'm Thai. Get it right. You know, kind yeah. of thing. So, but yeah, technically, uh, you know, I'm, I'm half Thai, half Chinese. There That's you go. very cool. I did not know that. That's super cool. <laughs> wow. you, you speak, uh, you speak Thai, obviously, but I speak Thai. I am, I am fluent in Thai. I speak some Chinese and I just, I sort of just picked it up here and there. My mom is fluent um, okay. in Thai and Chinese and English, but uh, so I could, I could understand a little bit. I could speak a little bit. I'm, I'm better at Japanese. Um, I lived in Tokyo, Japan for over two years. So my Japanese is definitely better uh, than my Spanish now. And, you know, my Spanish is definitely by far better than my Chinese. With all, with your family being, you know, born, born in Thailand, were you born in Thailand or you, cause you say you grew up here in Los Angeles or are you LA so born the, or? Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you for asking. Let me back up. First of all, I am so honored and privileged that you guys even asked me to be on your podcast. This is amazing. Like, I was like, are you sure? Like me? Like, why? Like, why do you want to talk to me? Really? No. Um, and then I, I actually, I went and listened to all your podcasts, you know, the, the minute they were released. And I'm like, this is amazing. I could truly listen to you guys all day long. It is so much fun. That's so nice. And hey, you and got that right. Aren't you're the only one. Can, you're the, so yeah. you're our subscriber, our one, our one listen. One. <laughs> so I never listened to podcasts before, or I never like went to a podcast app to like yeah. figure it out. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I find Mel and Brooks? Because I, I need to listen to these. So I had to have my husband help me out. He's like, there's a, there's a little app on your phone. And I'm like, oh really? Okay, cool. So, and then I'm like, what are all these buttons? Right. So I'm pressing all these buttons and I need to still figure it out. But you guess you guys are the first ones um, that I've ever like liked or followed or whatever. Yay. That's so nice. Yep. 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 So, um, so when you asked me, like, if you could interview me, I'm like, really? Why? (laughs) Like, I'm so honored. Um, Anywho, going back to me, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. So I'm a, I, I'm a native Angelino, uh, true and true. I love my Dodgers. You know, I love my yeah, Lakers. Uh, anyone who is basically a hater of LA wasn't born here because That's right. those That's true. who are born and raised love it. That We love our city of angels, right? It's, it's all of the, the, the you know, the people who move in, it's like, ah, it wasn't for me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. That's true. I moved away and moved back. Like this is, this is how much I love the city I grew up in. In fact, I actually moved back, bought the house right next to my mom. 
that I grew up in. I mean, literally bought the house next to my mom. They're like, how close are you? I'm like, my kitchen window looks into her kitchen window. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) That is how close. Okay. Um, Because that's the kind of neighborhood. Scary and amazing. I love it. I know. Right. Um, (laughs) But it has its pros and cons. Right. But it, that's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. It's everyone moved back in. We, my kids are going to the same elementary school that I went to, that oh my, my God. brother went to. My best friend lives two blocks away. Her parents still live a block away from me. We all moved back. Like no one can get away from our neighborhood. It's that amazing. See, but and I, it's, I see yeah. that out here too. Like even like where Brooke is, people are locals and they're locals. It's only the people that came from like Idaho, no offense to Idaho, but came from Cleveland or wherever and come out here to be in the industry. And then they go, ah, I don't like it out there. But yeah. people that live here and go away always come back. And there's a really cool sense of community for people that actually were born and raised here. Which yeah, I wasn't even like- born here. And I came here in 2003 and even leaving out, moving out of the country, LA, yeah. there was no doubt that was where I was coming back. And I've lived in a lot of different states. And um, th- I remember when I first moved out here and was living here and I thought I was going to be a New York girl. Like I was like, I'm moving to New York city, you know, whatever. I came out here. I was like, I could settle down here. Like yeah, I, yeah. I could never yeah. leave here and would be completely happy. And I don't think I'd ever felt that way about any place. Yeah. It's like how we have to be insane and love it for as much as we pay to live here, right? Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, we exactly. Yeah. gotta love it. So yeah, so I'm born and raised native Angelino. I am a um I'm a wife, a mother to two kids, two beautiful children. Um my son is 10. My daughter is six. I've known my husband since I was 12. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really cool that, that we have that background to share. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we were born cool. in the exact same hospital, six months apart. His parents still live in the house that he grew up in. My mom still lives in the house that I grew up in. It's very, very cool to, to share so many things. And we are so much on the same page. We have the same level of education. We have the same goals in life. In fact, we work at the same place (laughs) right now. (laughs) Uh, This is starting to sound like a cult. I want in on the cult. (laughs) It's just insane. But, but he is me. We are the same person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Where's Ryan? You're never in the same room together. That's weird. (laughs) because <laughs> I made him up really he's that good like I totally made him up um but I, I'm very fortunate I'm very fortunate that I was able to marry my best friend and my soulmate yeah so and you yeah. met your soulmate when you were 12 when I was 12 but I didn't That's, know it I didn't know well, it because you had more important things to do girl you exactly. didn't worry about that crap um one of the things that I think is super cool is that be, because Brooke and I and the people that we've talked to so far are they knew from the very beginning what they wanted to do. They wanted to be actors. And so their life was always going to be something crazy. They didn't know if they were ever going to make money. They had to reinvent themselves all this time. And, and one of the things that's so incredible about you is you had this storybook life and have, I should say, have the storybook life of like, when you grow up, this is what you're supposed to do. Like my sister, Cher, you're supposed to go to high school, meet your boyfriend, go to college, get married, have kids, become a teacher, like whatever it is. And so like, there's all these, the rungs of the ladder that you're supposed to climb. And so you have this storybook life and you then something sparked in you that you wanted to create you wanted to sell you you found this bug inside of you so tell me a little bit about how that began because you work at jpl um and ryan's a rocket scientist your husband (laughs) which is crazy to say out loud um but he he did the uh the the mars helicopter he built the chip inside of it that makes it like live yeah right that's incredible yeah easy so we'll have to interview him at some point too because he's also a dj by the way a reggae dj is he still That's doing awesome. that? Is he still DJing at night? Does he still have his radio show? Oh, um, actually, actually uh, after 25 years, it was just this past May that he decided to retire. Oh. Um, during this winter break, he did go back to do some some more, you know, sets. But yeah. um, it's, it's going to be like a sort of like a visiting DJ okay. type of situation now. But with the pandemic, it was just, it was too difficult. It took yeah. the, you know, he couldn't do it in live in the studio and just took, it just sucked the joy out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I can imagine. That's funny. Well, that's when my husband picked it up was during quarantine. He was like doing it and for on Instagram and we were recording it and 
it was it was funny. It was, you know, because everyone no one could go anywhere. So yeah, we're like, let's yeah. put the music on, let's dance, let's syndicate it, and then half the time we get knocked off because you know copyright. But you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. We learn. We learn as we go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you work at JPL. Tell me a little bit about what you do there, and then we'll get into what made you take that extra leap. Sure. So at JPL, I am a business administration manager. Um, basically, the, what that equates to is think of a an operations manager. Okay. So I'm the one that makes sure that everything runs smoothly for the engineers, the scientists, whatever you need, budgets, money, employees, planning. Um, I mean, everything from like, if you need to go buy a pencil <laughs> kind of thing, like yeah. I supervise like I supervise the administrators and the, and the staff assistants. Um, and we are the support arm, Yeah. but, uh, yeah, I've been doing it. It's, it's hard to believe, but next month in February will be 15 years. Oh my God, Anna. That's crazy. What is your I degree know. in? What, what did you get your degree in? So I have, um, I have an MBA, uh, in information technology, and I also have a master's in international affairs. Um, I mean, I went to school out in, uh, in, on the East coast in Washington, DC. My undergrad was in international. So I, I double majored international business and political science pre-law with a minor in leadership because I, I knew I wanted to be in business. Tired of your watered down moisturizers and never absorbed, leaving your skin dry and cracked? You need to try Petroleum Jelly. Heels look like the Grand Canyon? After a bath, slather it on and put on a thick pair of socks. Petroleum Jelly. Start a fire with it by coating a cotton ball and then just light it up. Petroleum Jelly. Squeaky door hinge? Rough hands after physical labor. Petroleum jelly. In jail and need emergency makeup? Combine petroleum jelly with food coloring to create any shade of eye, lip, or cheek enhancements. Don't have any? Check your great aunt's medicine cabinet. She has a bottle from 1964, and it still works. Petroleum jelly. My dad unfortunately passed away when I, when I was 16. Uh-huh. So that was really hard. Um, and again, just watching my mom hustle, I knew one, I never wanted to be dependent on anyone. I wanted to be financially independent. Um, I wanted to be able to take care of my family and I yeah. wanted to do better. Not necessarily the fact that my mom didn't give us everything she could, but I wanted, I knew that everything I wanted in life, I would have to go get myself. Yeah. So when she, you know, it was time to graduate. I was a senior in high school. I was like, okay, what's next? She's like, well, you got to go to college. And I'm like, okay, well, how? She's like, I don't know, but figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was just like, go pay for it, go figure it out, go apply. I don't know what you need to do, but go get that degree. I'm like, all right, cool. So I did that. <laughs> and then that's, that's when I ended up at a private school too. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, these are expensive. So, and again, because they gave me, they gave me a bunch of money, but it wasn't enough. So what I did was I starting from undergrad, I think I never worked less than four jobs. Oh my God, Anna. Always busting my butt, working, saving, because when my dad passed away at the same time, my mom was forced into early retirement. So at one point in my life, I was the only one working in my entire family. Do you feel like as a parent, that was a detriment to you where now you want to make it easier for your kids? Or do you think that you're going to show them that this is what they have the ability to do? Like, how does that work when you have to work so hard when you're a kid? How does that work in parenting? It's hard. It's hard because there's so much of me that says, I don't want my kids to go through what I had to go through right? Because it was, it, I'm not gonna lie. It was hard, but at the same time, it also made me who I am. Right. So, so with parenting, there's that challenge and that balance of, okay, I need to, I need to give them enough to not have to like struggle or fail, 
but at the same time, I need to take away enough so that they know how to do it on their own. And so that there is that struggle. Yeah. Nowadays, I see too many kids who feel entitled. Yeah. Don't struggle who are like, well, mom and dad, you pay for it. Right. You got jobs. Like, why don't you just, I'm like, you know, even if I'm like, I don't have any cash, we'll bust out with your credit card. (laughs) You know, I'm like, it doesn't work that way. No, I see so many of that, like around that. I don't want that for my kids. Um, I was put in a situation because that was, that was sort of the hand that I was dealt. Right. Mm -hmm. But what was, what was interesting was I never felt that it was difficult growing up. Like throughout my entire life, it wasn't that, oh, I have a shitty life. This sucks. No, it was like, okay, this is the situation I'm in. So what do I do about it? Right. right. I get to, I get to, I get, I to, get to. to like, and I think, I think for me, I learned early on, I was always instilled with Anna, this is your life, right? You get to choose what you want to do and who you want to be, but there are consequences. Like yeah. my parents were very good. Like my mom was great at like, you know what? I'm not going to say no just because I said so, right? She never played that card. Yeah. It was always like, I'm going to tell you what I think, but you ultimately can make your own decision, but here are the consequences. So, you know, you choose. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, And I think that was the greatest parenting technique she could have ever instilled in me because early on, I, I made my own choices and I knew that those were my choices and that whatever consequence resulted from that like I had to live with because guess what I, I'm the one, no one told me I had to do it or no one told me right no right so I can't blame anyone and I think that's like my whole life has been okay if I if I want to get something done yeah I can't think about all the detail I just you just gotta get it done you just gotta do it yeah you know and then if it doesn't work out then try something new do it again I don't know right yeah um but just I feel like we just forward. talked about that, Anna. You'll hear that. We just talked about that on the last episode. Like you, you, you know, you you screwed up or you did it, did it wrong, or it doesn't matter. Do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Figure out what you did, figure out what was wrong about that and make changes and continue on, right? Yeah. And you and can't you dwell on the past. And I think for me, because I I was taught independence at such a young age. I mean, yeah. even prior to my dad passing away, like my mom you know, she was back and forth from here to Thailand. So my brother and I sort of took care of ourselves for a very long time. I I think I had to be, I had to grow up quickly, right. From a very young age. So I was already in that mindset of like, okay, what do I have to do for my future? How do I secure a better future? How do I, how do I get a better paying job? Oh, I need an education. I need a degree. Okay. I have one degree. Is that enough? Because if, if I want that job that I, I truly want to be able to pay the bills, then I need more. I also have a master's in international affairs. And that's sort of where it came into play too. Because again, I thought I wanted to work for the State Department, go off, because I've always, I've always traveled a lot too. So that was, again, very fortunate that at a very young age, every time I went to Thailand, my relatives would take me abroad. You know, they, they took okay. me to China, they took me to Hong Kong, they took me to Singapore, they took me, you know, to Europe, to Australia. So I got to experience all of that, you know, before I even graduated from high school. So I, that played a huge role in my life too, because I, I knew I always wanted to do something international, something yeah. bigger than myself, something bigger than just the United States. And, um, so now you're going to space. <laughs> yeah. You've, so you've accomplished it. Big enough, you've right? surpassed international. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's how I got into that. And then when I ended up going to grad school, I realized and living in, in DC, I realized, oh, I don't want to wait, work for the state department. Um, and then it's like, I yucky. Went through all of that. And no, I'm not interested. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, <laughs> that's and I, okay. I, like that, that the idea that you had to, put yourself in the situation and you had to go into it and be in all of this work and all of these years. And you get there and you're like, this actually isn't what I want to do. What then was your switch to what did you do after you realized it wasn't like, what, how did you allow yourself to say, this isn't it. And it's okay that it's not it. So I realized it wasn't it. And then to be honest, like when I was graduating from, from grad school, I went through this huge dilemma of like, 
oh shit, what's next? I think, you know, when you're going through school, it's, it's great because everything's prescribed for you. Everything's structured. You, you, you go to class, you're done with class, you graduate. And then all of a sudden this, like, you're about to graduate and this like, holy shit, now what? Right. Yeah. Cause nothing's structured anymore. Moment hits. And to be honest, I was so tired by that point of like people always expecting me to do something. Yeah. Like the expectation. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't at your that, own anymore. It wasn't, right? it wasn't, it wasn't for drive. me. Exactly. Like none of that was ever for me. I felt like it was just, I did what, what I was expected to do. I was the dutiful daughter. I did all the things that would make my mom proud, yeah. you know, type of situation. And I'm like, you know what? Like I need to do something just for me. So I decided to, I always wanted to learn Japanese. Okay. I didn't know a single word other than thank you. Yeah. I decided to move to Japan. Jesus. I just picked up, moved to Japan. And what was supposed to be, so I had a one-year contract. I did actually have a job. So I applied for a job. Okay. Um, I actually, I actually taught English in Japan and for, for a company there. And what I thought was only going to be six months. I'm like, you know, maybe let me just get this bug out of my system. You know, for Christ's sake, like I went through all this schooling. I, I can't just like, you know, fuck around here, fart around this whole time. So but six months turned into a year. Cause I'm like, Oh, once I got six months, I'm like, but I have a one-year contract. I should probably like fulfill that. Right. So then after a year, I was like, Oh shit. I didn't save up any money to like <laughs> go back. Right. Like I should probably have some money to, to go back with. You were like, living presently, something. finally in your life. I you were was. living presently. Yeah. <laughs> to the point. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually had to force myself to do that, that exact thing. Right. My whole life I've been saving, 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 like penny pinching, eating, you know, craft macaroni and cheese and like whatever kind of thing. The right? best ever. I know it was Melanie's like only lunch. My staple from long. the time I was like born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ketchup, by the way. Gross. What I did You're was go ahead. there were times <laughs> when I would go shopping and I would be like, Anna, I'm like, I had to force myself to spend my paycheck and not look. And, and, and this was an exercise that I've never done before in my entire life to be able to walk into a store. And I had to force myself, Anna, do not look at the price tag. Wow. Like if you want it, you buy it. Right. Mm, Yeah. And (laughs) I can't tell you how many times, like I walked out of the store and I was like, and I felt instant guilt. (laughs) It was like buyer's remorse. And I'm like, I should go return this. And I'm like, nope, nope. And then every month, my roommate and I, we also forced ourselves to travel to the point where we went to a travel agency and they're like, where do you want to go? And it's like, we close our eyes and we just like put our finger down on a map and be like, how about there? Where did I just point to, you know, and just go because I had never done that in my entire entire life. And it was so liberating. So what do you think got you there though? Was it the idea that like you were out, you were, you were done with your master's, you were, you did everything you were supposed to do to take care of your family, take care of yourself, everything on your list. What was something that happened inside of you that you, that that switch went off? Was it being asked to go to get your PhD? And you were like, wait a minute, like, when is this going to end? Or like, what was going on with you that you were able to make that switch of like, I'm going to live now for myself. I think I had gotten to that point in my life where I had to ask myself, am I happy? Yeah. Am I happy? And is this what I want for the rest of my life? Because I knew I was going to be working for the rest of my life. And the daunting thing was I knew that, okay, whatever job I fell into, I'd probably be doing for a very, very long time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. I need to go live for me so that one day, I don't have any regrets. Learning Japanese and going to Japan was always one of my dreams. It was either living in Tokyo, Japan, or living in New York City. Yeah. Those were the two cities that I always wanted to, to try out. And I knew if I didn't do that, I would always regret it. And, and I'm the type of person where I don't want to live a life of regrets. There are yeah. very, very few things that I regret. And that, that wasn't one of them. So I was like, you know what? I need to go do this. And I need to go find myself like for so long. I'm like, well, who am I? 
Yeah. So it was, it was very soul searching for me too. Um, but I think we so all deserve to be able to ask ourselves, like, what is actually going to make me happy? Like, yes, mm-hmm. I have to pay my bills. Yes. I have to go to school. Yes. I have to do these things that are functional, but am I happy? And how do I make sure that my day to day is going to incorporate something that makes me happy? Even if you were, you know, yes, you were living abroad and that I'm telling everybody out there and Brooke, you know, this too, like the second you move abroad, you're like, this is going to be six months. <laughs> and then it never fucking is because yeah. you realize it takes a year, even when you move into a new house or even when you switch cities, it takes a year to even nest yeah. to like figure out your streets and where your cups go. And when you walk into your bedroom and it's dark, which side the light switches on. And like, it takes you a year to figure all that stuff out. So then that second year, you actually get to experience yeah. your life yeah. in that situation and see if it's right. Oh, for yeah. You. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I experienced I, I assimilated into the Japanese culture. I, I did everything I could. I, I took Japanese lessons. I took like flower making lessons, kimono wearing. I dated. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you, Mel. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. So. <laughs> one of my things that I like to do too is, and everyone should do, I feel like is to manifest their dreams. And yes. you do that by speaking, by, by, by envisioning it, by thinking about it, whether you write it down or you, you speak it out loud or you say it out to the universe, something I have a vision board that I'm looking at, right. It's on my, I create one at the beginning of the year digitally. And I put it as my back whatever, what is it called? Your screensaver, but your background Yeah, on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I open my computer, I look at all of it. You're constantly reminded. Yeah. Vision boards are so important, are so important. And it's because when you look at it and you see it and the fact that you even made it right, you already visually see it. And something about that stimulates your subconscious to, even if you don't know you're doing it again, subconsciously, you're taking little steps to get there one yeah. day. And you, and again, it's so subconscious that you don't even realize that you're doing it. So what's funny is one of my things was always to be like, you know what? One day I want to date a professional athlete. Hey girl, shit. Right. And for me, I, I, you know, at that time I always thought like, it would be like, I don't know. It was like an, like a, like a, like a major league baseball, like a player. curler, somebody like a, curls like a, in the Olympics. No, it was, I, I always <laughs> thought it would be like an NBA player or, yeah. you know, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, maybe. Yeah. What was he? Jesus, tell us. I never thought in my life that I would date a professional sumo wrestler. Fucking yes. Hello. That is the best answer ever. <laughs> wait, wait for this. He was a Russian sumo wrestler in japan in japan loud what's happening yeah i feel like every time we have our friends on who we feel like we know we're like jesus christ it's amazing that's so cool was he super tall was he super like shaped like a circle he was he was what what, he was six he was like six three six five honestly he 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 was more like a nfl um a a football player okay like lineman yeah 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 kind of thing he wasn't like the what you sort of envision? Did he have to wear the panties? Oh yeah, the, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, kind of like a wrap, like a mm-hmm. linen wrap. Yeah. See, this is why we do this on on cameras because I need to be able to capture that moment just now of what happened to your face. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever? realized in a moment of boredom that you need to have a new furry comforter right now. Well, I have. And that's why I love and I'm so grateful for Wish.com. They have everything from kids clothes and face masks to hair extensions and Jeep Wrangler accessories. They have vampire teeth, string lights, and plant seeds. I was skeptical at first, but when I found my much-needed outdoor shower bath tent and women's travel urinal, I was sold. Just make sure to look at the reviews with photos before you buy. Wish items may take no less than 48 days to arrive at you or your neighbor's door. Ugh, I love Wish.com. 
timing for me. And that's very key. Something always leads to something else. Yeah. Always. And don't be afraid to ask. I know, I know a lot of people are afraid to ask because they're afraid it's going to be a no, right? They're afraid of rejection. Well, guess what? If you don't ask, it's already a no. It's a guaranteed no. In Shakespeare. I mean, that's what King Lear, that's the whole thing. It's like nothing, nothing leads to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing means nothing because nothing leads to nothing. Right. Exactly. But some of it is that you feel like you're the pride. And and this is actually something I want to talk about your businesses and stuff, but I, and we're going to get to um, this later, but I want to make sure that I ask you and put this out there is that I want to talk about somebody who is afraid to ask. Sometimes it isn't because we don't want it bad enough or whatever. We don't know if we're worthy enough. And so how do you, how do you cover that gap? Because, because you're always worthy. You are always you worthy. Go. End of podcast. Shut it down. <laughs> yeah, drop the mic. Wait. <laughs> right. Because if you think you're not worthy, so if you're not willing to ask because you think you're not worthy, then guess what? That other person, you're just projecting that, right? They're yes, going to be like, exactly. well, if you don't even care about yourself, why should I care about you? Yeah, that's fucking true, Anna. God yep. damn it. Yep. Right. And so hard though. It's so hard. It is. It is. It's, I know it's, it's easier said than done, but you really have to get in that, that mindset of you just need to open your mouth. You just need to open up your mouth, ask for what you want. If they say no, move on. It's not about you. It's not an attack on your character. It's not on your personality. It's, you just got to keep going. We have a major, we have a major problem with this. If, I, if I'm confident in something or if it's like with Charlie, I, I always ask for what I want. I came into our relationship knowing that I'm never going to be in that situation again where I don't ask for what I want, but I'm not treated the way I need to be treated. And I'm like, I'm done with that. But when it comes to business, Brooke and I have been doing this for so long that we were in a situation where we were very successful and moving forward. And now we're a little fish in a big pond. And we're like, we have this weird thing that people we even knew before we were that we, that we left to win Panama that are, are doing really well or have offered us help. And we still, I mean, it's taken me months to even talk to my dear friend of 25 years to see if he was going to bring me into direct. And of course he was like, yes, 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 of course, of course. Like it was just, it's, it's, it's hard to put your heart out there like that, but well, it's, it's never like going to get the, done. The risk of rejection, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, you, but, but I think you get, that's just a fear of rejection. Right. I think once you get past that fear where I'm kind of in that phase right now in my life where I just, like I was saying, I don't, I don't care anymore. Right. Like I don't, I really don't. And I'm just going to put it all out there and I'm just going to ask, or I'm just going to do it, or I'm just going to figure out if you say no, well, how can I make, make it, happen it happen myself? Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think yeah, you got to get to that point. If, if you're going to be happy or else you're in a constant revolving like state of just unsatisfied, like being unsatisfied. You're just, yeah. well, and it's the fear of, of someone saying no to you will last the three months before you're able to call when actually, even if you called that first day and they said, no, it would be over. So you're yeah. actually harder on yourself by not asking because you're living yes. inside of the shame of, or guilt of your own career or your own happiness or whatever that then you live in that for three months, you finally get up the courage. They say no. And you're like, well, man, if I would have asked three months ago, I would have been sick to my stomach for three months. Well, and I would have already figured out a second option and I would be implementing that right now. (laughs) Yeah. And no, then doesn't mean no forever. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you could ask the same person the same question five times and they could say no four times, but maybe on the fifth time they're like, yeah, just give it a shot. Why not? Yeah. Or she's so persistent. We don't need her for that, but we'd love her for this. Yeah. You know? For me, <laughs> I've never had a problem asking. Because one, again, if you don't ask, it's already a no, right? Um, but two, I feel like it's always because I back something that I believe in. If uh-huh. I don't truly believe in it, then I'm not going to I'm not gonna put it out there. Yeah. Right? It's There's nothing fake about it. There's nothing... There's nothing conniving or like, you know, insincere about it. It's like, no, I love this stuff and I'm going to share it. Yeah. So for you, it's like, 
if you love your art, like, why wouldn't you want to share your art with others? So like by yeah. asking them, you got to put it in, in terms of they're not doing you the favor. You're doing them the favor by sharing it with them. Yeah. So it's like, I just want to share this with you. So don't yeah. think of it as, you know, a sale, right? Think of it as like, I'm here to share. Maybe that's why it feels like a dirty word sometimes. Kind of like networking when you're an actress out here and they're like, oh, you have to go networking and you meet this terrible manager that makes you do terrible things to network or whatever. I'll tell you that story another day. But then you realize that, wait, networking is actually working with people I like and all of us bringing each other up and reaching out and all that stuff. It it isn't a bad word. It doesn't have to be a bad word. Sales does not have to be a bad word. No, at all. So from there- where, so you now are, tell us what you're doing now. All right. So my dad actually took me to a JPL open house back in the eighties and exactly 20 years later, cause I still have a coin from that open house from yeah. JPL when he took me, cause he was a huge space buff. I think I also, what was amazing about my husband is that he, like my, my dad would have loved the man I married because he was everything he wish like his son could be or he could be like yeah, yeah my dad loved space he loved astronauts we grew up on that stuff and so to have like you know my boyfriend at the time work at JPL I think he would just have been over the moon and I wish he could have met him yeah so it's funny because um Ryan's the one that said hey why don't you so I was working for the consulate at the time so I went from I went from that sales job to the consulate office. And again, it was just one of those fluke. I walked in because I think I had to like, I don't know, renew a passport or something. I don't forgot what it was, but it was, it was like, Hey, by the way, do you have any job openings? Yeah. You asked, ask, it's just asking. Right. Because I always wanted to, I always wanted to work in diplomacy and that's why I wanted to work for the state department. I thought that ship had sailed, but I figured, Oh, as long as I'm at the consulate office, maybe, maybe I was thinking about it wrong. Maybe if I just try out the Thai consulate, I'll get that out of my system. So I'm like, oh, do you have any openings? And they're like, actually, we do. Why don't you come back on Monday with your resume and we'll, we'll take a look at it. I brought it back and instantly it was like, a, oh my gosh, we have the perfect job for you. We want you to be you know, the executive assistant to the new counselor that just arrived from Thailand. And I'm like, sweet. And he was in charge of the tsunami effort. So the tsunami had just hit yeah, yeah. Southeast Asia at that time. And he was new to the United States. He's like, I don't know what is going yeah. on. Yeah. To the point where he was like, here's my desk. You sit there. I'm just going to go sit in the corner over here. You pick up all the calls. You, you field it. I was fielding calls like from CNN, like, because he was, he was in charge of all the tsunami efforts for Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, what? Like, okay. So you want me to play you? All right. Yeah. I can do that. Cool. Um, <laughs> so I did that. I did that for, I did that for a year. And then I went, um, I went downstairs to the uh, the Tourism Authority of Thailand, still working for the Thai government. I was their uh, director of Latin America um, for marketing. And then after that, the Thailand Board of Investment needed to open up an o- a new office in, in Los Angeles. So then I was the assistant director for the Thailand Board of Investments. And we went and we went to big corporations and basically um, set up manufacturing facilities in Thailand. So then at the time, Ryan's like, you know what are you because they were paying me peanuts like it was yeah. it was Thai wages and he's like you've come all this way like if you're truly happy then that's great do what you, you do you like that's great I'm very supportive of that but I know you probably would like to make more like I know you yeah. value yourself a lot more than what you're making why don't you apply for JPL <laughs> and then my question my like answer response back was like I'm not an engineer like why would I why would I yeah yeah JPL he's like, we do have business folks there. And I didn't think about it. I mean, out of, it's a company of like thousands of people. We have our own fire department. We have our own yeah. police force, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay. So that night he's like, I want like, before you w- start watching TV, why don't you apply for some jobs? And it was really, it was really simple because it was all online. So I was like, click, 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 click. Anything that had like required a business degree. I'm like, click, 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 click. Yeah. And then I started getting callbacks and I was like, all right, well, let's go, you know, yeah, try it out. And 15 years later, like, here I am. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, obviously you have been working nine jobs since you were seven. However, <laughs> now that you're happy at JPL and you have this amazing family and, and, and everything, what, what was the thing that 
that was unsettled or you needed or what was happening that you jumped? I think because it's always been ingrained in me in such a young age that, or I, I think for me, I sort of like you always knew you wanted to be an actress. Mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to have my own company. Mm-hmm. So I went to, I went to undergrad international business because I thought I would actually take over one of my, like my aunt's company in Thailand. Mm-hmm. So that's how I sort of groomed myself. But then that didn't happen because she sold it. So then I was like, oh shit, now what do I do? And I ended up at JPL. It was the stable job doing amazing things. Like, again, it, it was one of my, my dream jobs because I never thought I'd ever end up there. And now it's something beyond me. It's something I love it. And I'll stay because it's, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than myself. Um, and so nothing could ever compare to that. But I think that that entrepreneurial spirit in me never subsided. Like I needed more mm-hmm. because I could, I could work my ass off at JPL. Let's be honest, right? I could work my ass off at JPL, but it, it's still, it's, it's, I won't get the, I, we don't have bonuses like to the right. point where again, because we're taxpayer funded, right? NASA funds us. When we have a holiday party, we have to pay for our own lunch. There's no such thing as a oh free gosh. lunch, right? Yeah, like the so, opposite of living in Hollywood, yeah. Exactly, like the, yeah. the opposite of living in corporate, like coming from, you know, corporate life of like these lavish parties, like let's splurge our, on our employees. Like, I don't get that. And I felt like I needed that. I felt like I needed to be rewarded or incentivized Mm-hmm. Um, in some way, like I was missing that, that competitive edge to, I'm a very competitive person, even if it's competing with myself mm-hmm. and I needed to at those goals of like, I need to hit something to get something right. Because yeah. again, let's be real. I could work my ass off at JPL and like not get anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I love what I do. Right. Okay. So now what, like, how do I fulfill, you know, this part of my life? Honestly, it came at a time where I felt like I was going through like a midlife crisis. And I know that sounds really strange because I'm in my forties and they're like, you're not old enough to be in your, uh, have a midlife yeah. crisis. But really when I turned 40, that was my midlife crisis because I felt like 30 should be celebrated. And I love birthdays. I love birthdays. I love my birthday. I love your birthday. I just, I want to celebrate everyone's birthday because everyone should. Like, like, be happy that you're still breathing and I could celebrate you. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm getting old. I I hate my birthday. I'm like, but you're alive. And I get to celebrate you. Like, that's beautiful. Can we just like celebrate? And when I, when, when I was turning 40, it was just a very dark period in my life. Like I felt like 30, you know, people get excited because yay. And then 50, I, I feel like, Oh my God, you hit 50. Like that's a big milestone. But 40 is like this, like ugly rut of this, like, what have you accomplished in yeah. your life? Yeah. And a feeling I didn't want to celebrate. Feel like we're going, that's why we have a podcast. Cause we're like, what are we doing? We need to talk life? this shit out. Yeah. Because, it was, <laughs> and I don't know, I didn't know what the hell was going on because I'm like, why am this is so not me. It was so mm-hmm. not me. And it was just like, I couldn't get myself. I, I didn't even want to talk about my birthday. It was that bad. Um, and then, and I felt like, because I no longer was serving a purpose. Like I, Ugh, that's heartbreaking. It, I understand was, exactly what you're, it's very difficult. Yeah. It was really hard. And at that time, a friend had given birth to a baby who had a birth defect. And she said, Anna, I'm having this fundraiser for him. Like, will you please just come and support me? I'm like, sure. Like I'm, I was all about that. I wanted to help her any which way I could. And that's when I was introduced to, you know, this, amazing company that does anti-aging skincare, you know, and like long lasting makeup, like my, and, and, you know, are you allowed to say what company it is? Cause it's amazing. I don't, I, I don't know. Can yeah. I like do, yeah, do, okay? do. So say it again. So it's lip sense. So the company is Cenogens. So they, and they do much more, they're known for their lip sense. So it's like, this is lipstick that doesn't I have it on now, off, you know, yay. It doesn't come off, right? I could go swimming in this stuff. Brooke it's needs this. <laughs> I know. I need some lip sense. They also make a red that has been my my blowjob red for every single onstage oh, performance hey. I've done. Am I allowed to say, mm-hmm. I allowed to say blowjob red? Yeah. <laughs> no, you. But it, yeah, it doesn't come because, off. 
Because it doesn't come off. It doesn't come off. BJ's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. We don't yeah. do that shit anymore. Yeah. Whatever. We're, We're going to say, do you do that anymore? <laughs> We're not. I don't have time. My jaw hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get back to my book. <laughs> All right. Listen, buddy, I got four minutes because, yeah. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm turning pages. <laughs> good. But the great is coming back on. I got to get back to it. Go ahead. <laughs> You guys are hilarious. Um, so she said, "Well, I need to I need to supplement my income somehow to to help my my child, Anna. What can can you help me out by signing up under me?" And I was never into direct sales before, like network marketing, all of that stuff. You know, I've I've known about it for a long time. Everyone's like, "Anna, you'd be so good at it because you know so many people." And I was like, "I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be that person who like." went out to their friends and family and sold things to them, which is funny yeah. because I, I sell things all the time. You sell things all the time. Everyone sell you, when you sell yourself, you sell your work, you sell, like everyone sells yeah. something. Right. And, but when she asked, it was different because it was for him. It mm-hmm. wasn't for me. It wasn't for her. It was for this baby who couldn't help himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So I said, because then we, you know, we start talking about diapers, even diapers. And I'm like, does insurance cover that? And she's like, no. And, and for him, diapers was a hundred dollars a month because he was still in preemie diapers kind of thing. And you don't, you can't find preemie diapers in stores everywhere because you usually babies don't last that long in preemie diapers. So my goal, if I could just make enough to just cover her diapers every month, I was yeah. golden. Like, that's what I wanted to do. That's the goal that I made for myself. I'm like, sure, let me do this. If I could pay for your diapers and that's one less thing that you have to worry about as yeah. a mom, let me do it for you. And she's like, thank you. Um, and it, the community that I came into it again, it was just the right place at the right time. And I, a lot of people think of like network marketing as this dirty word. It's not, it is amazing. Like people think pyramid scheme or like, you know, they think of like the Lulu, the Lula Rose. And yes, Lula Rose, like, bleh, you know? I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. It, it's, it, it was this leggings company that took advantage oh, no. of a lot of women and a lot of lives. Um, the thing is, everyone who's listening, right? One, a pyramid scheme is you paying for something and getting nothing out of it. So if they're promised you can use something, right? And it's not tangible something, yeah, it's a scheme. Like, run, right? Yeah, yeah. You should be getting something if you're paying for something. It has to be tangible. It can't be a promise. So, so like Mel, I can't say, hey, if you pay me this amount of money, Mel, I could promise you the world. No, run, right? Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't right, right? Right. But what you know, what I hear a lot is like, oh, what you're doing, it's it's a it's a pyramid scheme. Or, you know, you're just, you're taking advantage of the vulnerable. I'm like, no, like one, I'm a business major. And if I look at a business plan yeah, and it's legit and you're going to get paid, guess what? I'm smart enough to know that this is a good deal. And if it's not, I, I'm also smart enough to know that, you know what? I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of situation. Right. And when I saw this plan, it was like, really? Like it was almost too good to be true because it was like, okay, so what do I need to do? How do I get paid? How do you get paid kind of thing? And it was a win-win situation because if, if I sold or if I even bought, and this was the great thing was even if I bought for myself, my friend would get a cut. Oh, she would get like 10%. Yeah. So like, even if I didn't want to sell anything, but I bought the lipstick for myself, lip scents for myself, just to use, she would get 10% without it coming out of my pocket. So yeah, that yeah. was the great thing. It's like, I wasn't, I was no longer like giving her like a donation, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, here's another company who's doing it. And another thing about network, like marketing companies, which is so amazing. And everyone, I feel like everyone who wants to start their business and have, and, and want to sell something, go find a company that you love, whether it's fitness, whether it's um, leggings, right? Whether, you know, athleisure work. Cause then I got into athleisure wear during the pandemic and I sell and I've never wore leggings before the pandemic. And now Same. it's like, I sell them. Same. It's like, yeah. what the hell? Um, my husband never wore joggers and now he wears his joggers every day. And yeah. no one's wearing crunchy pants anymore. That's not happening. 
We're no. never wearing, putting crunchy pants on again. And what's amazing is like that jeans. we can buy for ourselves. Yeah, we can buy for ourselves. <laughs> and like, I get a paycheck back. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? That's right, girl. You know? So, so that's, that's how my mind works. I mean, I work in numbers. And I'm like, how can I get the best deal? Yeah. And, and if you could support your friend, like, why is it that you, it's easy for you to go and support a big corporation? You could go to Target. You, you wouldn't think twice about going and shopping at Target, buying a pair of sweats and being like, yes, I got a great deal at Target. And then telling your friend, here's a 20% coupon from Target. Go buy something from Target and making money for Target. But yet if your friend asks you, hey, you want to buy a pair of sweats from me? You're like, oh, what's the catch? There is no yeah, catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're helping me and my family. Right, 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 right. Plus I'm giving you a great product and I'm giving you a product at a good, at a, at a deal. So like, yeah, you know, anywho. So I got into that to help my friend and, and her baby. And that's how it sort of all exploded. It opened up my world to like so much to motivational speaking. Like I got to be on stage, um, just motivating and inspiring other women to like go and live their best life kind of thing. Yeah. Now, granted, like you said, like it's harder. Sometimes it's, it's easier said than done. Right. I still, I'm still trying to find my best life. I still don't know what it is. Right. Um, I'm still looking for things, you know, I, so now I do, I do lip sense. So I do Synergence. I do Zaya. So Zaya is the active wear company and it's, it's, it's everything from like sports bras to sweaters, to carnigans, to like, you know, to zippy sweatshirts that have the thumbs and like thumbs. Yeah. The thumb holes, like everything, like it's clothes that I can wear to work and I could wear, I could wear, you know, to work out and I could wear on date nights and it's all the same outfit. I just changed my shoes. Well, Anna, what, what, since you sell these things, what, why, why do we have the thumb holes? Oh, thumb holes are amazing because they cover your hands. So it's like wearing gloves without having but your fingers are free. Because, so when it's so yeah. cold here, you can stick your thumbs through. Now, when I go pee, I have to take the thumb off and yeah. roll up and like, you know, wipe and all that stuff. But I can, but when you're outside, I, your thumbs are always at, like you have, it's like wearing a, like a, like a 1980s glove. So you're warm. Okay. And your nothing rides up. So your sleeves mm-hmm. never ride up on your arm. So when you stretch, when you move, when you go grab something, you're not like pulling your sleeves down for long limb people. This is a big thing, but I used to cut holes in all my sweatshirts because I was so sick of every time I tried to do something, my sleeves went up here and I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a little thing, Brooke. It's a little thing. And, and, and the cool thing about stubby, I don't understand. I Her much- arms are like three inches long. So. <laughs> I'll get the bill. Okay. <laughs> well, what's cool about the, the Zaya ones is the material. So a lot of times jackets that have thumb holes, the material will go down here and yeah. it doesn't really serve any purpose. So what's the point of the thumb yeah, hole, that's right? What I always wondered. But with the Zaya ones, they actually, they actually cover your knuckles. So like you could go bike riding and it covers your, your hands so that your hands aren't cold or you could go jogging at night or, you know, early morning. And it's just, it's not cold. It's so nice to have. It's like, a it's great- like wearing fingers, fingerless gloves without all the individual little toe holes yeah. or finger holes. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think like the whole, I think I, what I'm like gauging from all of this is your desire to want to have an impact. Right. Which I think, you know, with, with wanting to travel the world and being in public international relations and helping where you could in other countries or, or, you know, coming back and, you know, even outside of you saying that JPL is bigger than you or bigger than, you know, you understand the importance of the work that you're doing. However, while that was helping on a global scale, right. (laughs) You, you still needed that personalized, you know, help, right? Like you, you knew your friend was in need. So you were going to help her. You saw how the product made other people feel. So it motivated you to continue pushing, you know? And, and so I just think that's very telling of your character that not only are you driven to challenge yourself to be better, but you're also doing it for the intention of just a better place all around, better world, better, better community, you know, better relationships. And I think that you know, it goes back to something Mel said in a previous episode about what her mom had asked friends, like, well, you know, what am I going to do when I go to college? And she's like, but what do you like to do? You know, what do you love to do? Not, not, oh, you want to be a doctor? No, what do you love to do? And it 
tips and I, I'm get, getting from you that you just love to encourage people and build people up and, and make a better place. And right? sometimes it has it's to come back around. to that singular thing. And that's hard to find sometimes because we go through all of these things and we, we take all of these trails and, and then you turn 40 and you're like, oh my God, but you've really been doing it your whole life. You just didn't know that that was the name of it. You didn't yeah. know that that was the label of it. And then once you kind of realized what really made you happy and then you were able to put the label on it, you could then could find those instances and 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 grab onto them and, and make them a reality for yourself. Yeah, because I feel like these side hustles are sort of like the means to my end, right? They're vehicles that I'm using to get to the impact that I, I, I'm hoping to make on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Maya Angelou said it best when she said, you know, it's not about what you say to people or what you what you what you did. Right. It's about how you made them feel. And I'm hoping that, like, if I could just make just one person feel good. You know, like then I feel like I would have. Accomplished something. And you have. You know, it's, it's one of those feelings of like, I don't know, like ever since I was young too, I always felt like I wanted to like open up a women's shelter um, mm-hmm. and help women and children, right? In need, if they needed a safe place to go. And, you know, working my nine to five, like I'm never going to do that. But all of these, all of these side gigs, like there's so much potential. It's unlimited potential. It's really hot, just the effort. And I'm, I'm sort of stuck in this, in this, weird stage in, in my career right now too, of like, okay, well, do I keep doing what I'm doing? And I, it's, it's a yes, because I think maybe society deems that this is what you're supposed to do, Mm. right? It's the stable thing to do, or do I put more of my effort into these other things and really make a difference and really like take this to the next level so that I could start helping more people. And like maybe one day and I I could take those proceeds and open up that shelter, right? Because, because in, in network marketing, it's, you know, in direct sales, your compensation is unlimited. There's no cap. You can make as much money as you want. Like I just went to this ranch uh, in Chino Hills. Amazing. It is beautiful. She just bought it like a year and a half ago. And it was all based on what she makes now, like this in Zaya. Yeah. And that's all from a, See, from selling. And leggings. that's, this is very exciting because you're someone who even coming into this, this sit down and I know you and, and stuff, but like coming into this sit down, you're someone who has this incredible life of fulfillment and all these things you've gone after and all these things you've had to struggle for and all these things that you got done and you still have more that you want to get. So this is cool because then we can check back in with you <laughs> as we go and see, because people are going to, people want to know, like, now what is she doing? What has she yeah. decided to do now? What impact is she making now? Does she decide that her, you know, so being able to follow your story as well as part of why we're doing this is because our own lives and reinventions are going to change as we go. And we want to make sure that we're, we're staying with all of our people so that we can be there with them through it. Well, you know, what's weird. And I don't know if this is like selfish of me to think, but I also feel like I've, I always felt like I've, I've had this bigger purpose to serve of like, this can't be it for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, like, I feel like when I am no longer here, like I want to leave something. Yeah, like like, and I know my kids should be my legacy, but I feel like, and it's not like that's not enough, but no, like I, mean, I want to to build something that other people can go to, that other people can yeah. can benefit from, and exactly what that is, whether it's the shelter or something different, I don't know, but I that I, that's sort of like I feel like that's what I need to leave behind. I think that's, that's, we, I just did a podcast with a friend of mine last night and his, the, one of the reasons he's doing the podcast is for legacy because his father died like 15 years ago. And he was like, I don't have anything, but I, I want to have a legacy. And I think we're at the age now where we are starting to think about like, even at the beginning of COVID, 
I stopped smoking. I started taking diaries. I've never written a diary my entire life. Like I would start a page and then toss it away or whatever. And I have like journals now where I want my kids to know stories of who I was because the fear of dying all of a sudden was like, holy shit. Yeah. And then I think being able to look back and leave a legacy. And that's kind of why Brooke and I started this too, is like, not only because we want to be inspired and like keep our asses in gear. And we know so many incredible people that will help us do that. But we also, the legacy that we'll be able to put out into the world is, is just as important as our own inspiration. So yeah. thank you, Anna. Yeah. Thank you, Anna, for sharing all of that. (laughs) Yeah. That was really amazing. Tell me your websites. We're going to put them up on the podcast as well. So people can click on it so that they can jump right to you and start making you more money and make themselves money. Tell us your, your websites. Uh, So if you go to Facebook, Mm -hmm. I have a group over there and it's just lucky lifestyle company. And on Instagram, again, it's also Lucky Lifestyle Company. Um, I also have Lucky Lips by Anna and Lucky Nails by Anna. Um, I do want to try to incorporate the the nails and the lips into Lucky Lifestyle Company. So Lucky Lifestyle Company was like the third one that I got into. And I was like, okay, this could incorporate all of them. Yeah. And Lucky is a big thing for me because I love the Lucky Cat. So like this, you know, the little yeah, yeah. The fortune cat because I feel like it embodies a lot about me of who I am. So it has like the Asian aspect, but it has the, all the luck that I've been very fortunate to get in my life mm-hmm. and sort of like the luck that I would love to give to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I keep using lucky sort of in, in all of my company names. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, but again, it's, Lucky Lifestyle Company um, and Lucky Lips by Anna and Lucky Nails by Anna.